You are listening to Brown Couch Confessionals, episode 103, Condemnation Kills. Take 47. (laughs) (laughs) So so today, um, we thought that it was very important that we talk about a subject that not a lot of people talk about, which is condemnation, right? I think that... We all struggle with it day in and day out, but then it's like one of those things where you don't want to tell anybody that you're struggling with it because then you would actually have to be articulating your struggle. Mm. So then good. you don't just like, ah, nah, fam, I'm good, I'm good. I'm good. Right. And just go about your business and cry in the corner. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and the scripture that comes to mind is, by the grace of God, believers in Jesus Christ will not face the condemnation of God. And that's first John three and fourteen. But you know it's interesting. We we know that. Mm-hmm. We've heard it many times. Yet we find so many Christians living in self made prisons. That's good. Mm-hmm. And I think that oftentimes, and I know for me specifically, you have a lot of head knowledge about God's grace, his forgiveness, that condemnation doesn't come from him, that it comes from Satan. It comes from your own mm-hmm. inner dialogue. However, uh, translating that from your head to your heart and then back again is generally where the, you know, the metal, you know, it meets the road type thing because mm-hmm rubber meets the road that's the one I was looking for but it's just like I you know like we were talking earlier um we all have our own value system Mm. whether it be skewed from growing up in a legalistic household um growing up in a really chaotic environment where Mm -hmm. we I think a lot of times we put these um these these rules on ourself of perfection mm. and so not only are we living up to our parents view of perfection for us, us and then our school teachers our children our pastors ourself our spouse our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. you know and it's like oh well and then we have this really fun thing of going well I'm not as bad as so and so right and measuring our, ourselves to somebody else's standard. Right. And, um, and, and then sometimes I think that that might be easier than setting ourselves to the standard that God sets. Mm. Um, because that, but God is the only one that actually extends us the grace required to survive when we don't meet the standard. Hmm. That's deep. And I think a lot of times it's hard for us to understand his forgiveness, his grace, because like you said, we put it on human terms. Right. Well, we know what we wouldn't forgive for. Right. So why would you forgive me for that? Right. God. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> like, right. you know. And I think like when you know when I and I've talked about it on earlier episodes, when I got angry at God because he didn't work in my timetable. And walked away. The whole time, 
I knew that the way that I was feeling and that rub that we get in our spirit, um, because I really wasn't ready to change. So I didn't, wasn't interested in asking forgiveness because forgiveness is, should be followed with action. Mm -hmm. And so when you're not really ready to have the action, then you kind of like abort asking for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And, and then of course, Satan loves condemnation. He Mm -hmm. loves throwing it, um, from the beginning of time, you know, Satan's been there. And, um, so that was the hardest for me, I think is having to work through that. And then you end up like making a mistake and decision and decision on top of it. And then it just feels like this mountain and heap of steamy mess that you've created. Mm -hmm. And, to shovel it piece by piece and try to sort it out, explain it away, explain it where you you understand what you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that plays into how we view condemnation and uh, not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy, mm-hmm. um, not feeling like, Certainly, anyone that we know would understand. God wouldn't understand. I've even thought this before. Mm. God was perfect. He's never sinned. He's without sin. So, why am I trying to even explain my sin to him? He don't even know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Which which I know is not biblical. You know, like, and... There's not, and it says that there's not been any temptation that hasn't been, like, normal to mankind. Mm -hmm. But still, like, me trying to talk to you about my struggle with XYZ, you know, you you said earlier you struggled with perfectionism. And Mm -hmm. I immediately was like, ah, no, I ain't got that problem. Then I stopped and thought about it. And it's like, no, my struggle with perfectionism maybe wasn't self-imposed, but I definitely felt external pressers um, growing up in church and feeling like I needed to live to a, to a standard that was unattainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we all rail against that sense of perfection. Some of us become black sheep. Some of us turn to drug addiction, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and honestly, like about perfectionism, that's what kept me away from Christianity for so long because I saw these people that, um, you know, they they could be, it seemed like they wanted everyone to think that they were perfect, but then you see their imperfections. So then you're kind of like, oh, well, if, you, if this is what it is, then I don't want to have anything to do with that. You know what so I mean? So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If you looked at Christians and saw where they failed is that did you not want people to look at you and see your failures and then equate that to Christianity? Or did you only want Christianity if it made you perfect? Mm, That's a good question. I guess because I had a warped view of it, I Mm -hmm. just thought that being a Christian meant you were perfect. And if you're and if you claim to be a Christian and you're not perfect, you then couldn't be anything you less can't than. than anything less than. I absolutely believe that that's what a lot of people think. And I think that we always, always Christian or not, give ourselves the grace to make mistakes. 
but don't extend that same grace to anybody else. Right. Everyone else, like you're allowed to evolve mm-hmm. through your struggle, right? But you better already have your life together, exactly. And uh, so I definitely can, and I think that that is a lot of the ways that people view, you know, if they're like, well, if. <laughs> If I'm already doing bad without God, why do I want to? Exactly. And that's where where I was. You yeah. know, it just was just kind of like, you know, and and I, I went into this whole thing of, well, I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what a lot of people say. Right. I'm a, I'm a good person. But I don't do who, this. I don't do but that. But to whose standard is good. Exactly. And it's yeah. to your own personal standard that you've made or that that is cultural or, you know, or like you said earlier, like, well, I don't do that. So. Right. You know, and and that's how we, um, that's how we view things all the time with people. Well, you know, like I was saying, like, oh, um, I'm good because I didn't have a kid when I was in high school, or I didn't do drugs, or right, I um, I did the good thing because I got married instead of live and instead of living in sin with my husband, you know, my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, we just we got married because I, um, I felt like I I knew. I knew the girls that I went to church with that had intricately painted masks Mm. and they were, they were perfect on the exterior and they said all the right things. They dressed the right way. Right. They, um, kissed butts in the church like they were supposed to Mm -hmm. and, you know, rubbed elbows with the right people. And a lot of that now, as an adult looking back, is because of the dysfunction going on in their own homes. But mm-hmm. at the time, I wanted to be authentic. Exactly. And I wanted to be real. And if that meant you saw me struggle or mm-hmm. um, I didn't seem perfect and I didn't say all the right things at all the right time and I didn't dress the right way mm-hmm. or then that was okay with me. Um, because I I really dislike people that I view as wearing masks. Exactly. Even as an adult. Exactly. And uh, because it annoys me. Mm-hmm. And you realize growing, because I had, like I said, a warped view of that. You realize that, um, that becoming a Christian is saying that I suck. Personally, you know, I will never be good enough. Yeah. Um, and once that that view changed, it's like, oh, church is a hospital for the sick. It's not for perfect people. Right. And and it's so true. And once you come to that realization that if I was so perfect, I wouldn't need him. But let me tell you this. Mm. I still feel like even with you saying that a church is a hospital for the sick, mm-hmm. you've actually made it intuitively that a lot of Christians have been sitting in church pews for 35 years and still have not came to that realization. Mm. Um, you're, you not growing up in church, you have your own viewpoint, but from me growing up in church, dealing with legalism, dealing with condemnation mm-hmm. and that whole, if you're not perfect, that fire brimstone mm. threat um, hanging over your head. It's like um, you're scared into it. You absolutely. Have a, you're feared into it. It's not. Because that was the way that it was, especially mm-hmm. in the South. And um, 
and it, that they scared you into perfection. Mm. And if you made a mistake, then you were shunned. You were not allowed to sing on the on the, you know, on the stage. Um, and I understand that there is checks and balances, and I'm not saying that. However, right. you were unable to make mistake. And if you do, you can't let anybody know. Mm -hmm. And we're all human and we all make mistake. Uh, but saying that, there are some mistakes more socially acceptable in the church mm -hmm. than others. Right. And uh, so I never felt the need to wear a mask. Uh, but I also know that I uh, definitely felt pressure to be as good as, mm -hmm. um, and I know, like, I joke around that, like, I felt like I was viewed as the bad one mm -hmm. out of me and some of my friends that I ran around with at church because I was a little rough around the edges, I guess you could say. I've always kind of had a little bit of a mouth on me. Mm -hmm. Always kind of said what I was thinking. Always. Always. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My filter has definitely gotten better with age, mm -hmm. uh, but I just didn't. It's almost like the people that are raised on one side of the track that like, uh, I wasn't prim, I wasn't proper, you know, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel the need I, in my house. I didn't feel like that, uh, the need to be that way, you know, and I've always just been myself, but I can see in a lot of ways in growing up in church that was not the best way to be. You weren't allowed to make mistake. Uh, you weren't allowed to get caught. And mm -hmm. uh, I certainly have struggled with not being loved through whatever I was going through. Uh, you had to keep all of that quiet. Mm -hmm. And... Although I grew up in a church that had outreaches for domestic violence and outreaches to the homeless and Alcohol Anonymous and all of those types of things, um, I can't imagine how many in the church were actually struggling with it, but you would never know. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the bondage that, right. that happens when you're in that situation. And talk to me about some of the bondages that you have dealt with. Um, and how you have, um, now that you've become a Christian and your viewpoint has changed. Yeah, so um, one of mine was perfectionism. Um, and it started in childhood. And I have two of the best loving parents. But it became a thing of me coming to the realization that people like you when you do good. So I became a people pleaser, mm -hmm. you know. And... Um, which is, which is really bad yeah. <laughs> because, um, the, it's almost like the weight of your existence is based off of whether other people like you. Mm. And, um, <laughs> never had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes, you know, before you know it, you become robotic. Um, I honestly, I didn't know. Like what... you give conditioned answers, not honesty. Yeah. Cause yeah. you don't want to make people mad. Mm. You know, I would think things in my head and like, I could never say that. 
So then, and I would be the one that was saying. <laughs> exactly. I generally am the first one to say what everybody's thinking. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, and you it's, know, it's a world we've been friends for so long. Exactly. <laughs> but see, I just like I said, I didn't know what to do when people weren't happy. So it was that was a struggle for me. Now, do and you then, think that some of that is because you're you? Don't, uh, okay, so you just said that you didn't know how, like, when people were upset and things, mm-hmm. like, do you think it's because you're your own self, you didn't know how to handle your own emotions, so then you just tried to create happy ones all the time? You know, that's a good question, because I was the person that... Because I know it's, like, a real big deal if you cry in front of somebody, right. like... Right, and I, it's so crazy, I was talking to a friend the other night, and it was, like, the moment that I came to that realization that I wasn't going to cry in front of people. I was in probably second grade. No one had ever told me not to cry. You know how, you know, you have people in your life telling you like, like boys, like don't you cry or whatever like that. It was never anything like that. One day in my head, I just was like, you know, I'm not going to cry when I fall or I get hurt. And I just remember like I fell one day and like skinned my knee and like was holding back tears it was weird. I know. Like, it was. Girl, but I'd be was crying just... at, like, Hallmark commercials. <laughs> I was just like, I am a woman. I will cry. Um, but I don't know where that came from of trying to be strong in You know, moments. but you say that because I was married to a man that was absolutely in touch with his emotions. Mm-hmm. And it was something that used to make fun of him about. Mm. You know, and it was like, and I can see where. If you were someone who wasn't in touch with your own emotional mm. side, mm-hmm. that girl, I forgot all about that. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, as you as a woman was not in touch with the 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 way that we are designed and created, mm-hmm. which is a human and emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you lead with emotion or not, we are created with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I could see if you struggled with it, then you certainly didn't want to be dealing with no one else that... that right. And, you know, and it's interesting because I, I only saw my dad cry one time. So it was something that I never saw a man man cry. You know what I mean? So I'm sure that came somewhere from, is you only know what you... Had I had a dad that was emotional. Which mine wasn't. Right. But, <laughs> you know, I would have, you I know... I just didn't want to be married to a stone. Stone, exactly, because of what you... Yeah. Yeah. So... So, yeah, I, uh, I just, I definitely think that, um, I'm sure it's more socially acceptable for, uh, you know, emotion displayed. I was a closet crier though. Like, it's not that I didn't cry. I didn't cry in front of people. You weren't going to see me cry. I was going to cry when I got home. Because for you, if you were crying, I mean, in some way, you didn't reach the level of perfection that you needed. So you were going to hide it and just keep it in the... Right. Right. Bondage. Mm-hmm. Always feeling like you're not good enough. Now, do you feel like that's a generational curse in your family? You know, I don't know. That would be, you know, good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, have you, as a parent, have you tried to be the complete opposite and, and foster... Um, better behavior or yes yes and it is a constant a constant struggle because you can see certain learned behaviors Mm -hmm. and that's the wonderful thing about Christ is that he will check you you know and he will have you to handle those situations better 
right. or with more grace or, you know, just however he, he wants you to handle it. Because I don't want my kid to have, like, therapy because of me. Right. You like, know? that's what I actually that's said that to my mom and then last yeah. night. Like, I don't want to give my kid a child who has to recover from. Right. And so... So I think with that, it comes with being honest. You know, I let Aiden know, you know, I didn't do that right. Like, yeah. and that, you know, and to ask for, you know, I'm apologizing for that. You know right. what I mean? Because and I think... I, that's in my such generation, a position to take. Well, yeah, and it's only through him because, mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't remember. I don't feel like our generation ever heard an apology from parents. Like, I didn't any- handle that correctly. And yeah. then I remember. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I only remember in one instance being a teenager and getting in trouble my mom feeling really guilty about the way that she handled it Mm -hmm. and being a hundred percent classic me Mm -hmm. when she tried to apologize I was just like real like oh it's fine you know no Mm -hmm. worries (laughs) (laughs) which just made it even worse on her because then I tried to like it was almost like I excused it like it was completely normal behavior and it wasn't at all Mm -hmm. and and then I know I just made her feel worse because I just tried to, like, brush it off and act like it wasn't that big of a deal. And she, like, really felt bad and was trying to have, like, a whole moment with me. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I was just being a hateful teenager. And and I think that's interesting because how many times in life can we pinpoint of moments where if we could have just been honest and showed, if you could have just showed your, like, it really did bother me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, I thought just... she was reading my body language, but, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's something that... Even me and my Mm four-year-old have recently started having more conversations of, let's try to communicate better. Better, exactly. And, you know, we had an instance here recently where um, he wanted me to do something. I was distracted, and my hands were full, and I got irritated, and he wanted me to hold something for him. And when I didn't hold it, he threw it on the ground. Mm -hmm. So we had a teachable moment. Mm Mm-hmm. Of when you get angry, you don't throw your things or they go in the trash. Mm -hmm. So um, we had that and then we got to talk about it. And he was trying to communicate that he was worried that the wind was going to blow his toy because we were outside. So he wanted me to hold it. Mm -hmm. Of course, he didn't say all of that. Right. I just thought it was like, I have 400 things in my hands and you just want me to hold one more thing. Mm -hmm. And then when I told you no, you got mad and threw it on the ground, which still wasn't the way that I want to teach him to express his anger. Right. But, you know, just us starting to communicate. And now he will tell me, like, if I'm, like, distracted or something, he's trying to talk to me, he'll say, Mama, I'm trying to communicate with you. Oh. (laughs) And how much of a better relationship is he going to have when he gets married and all Mm -hmm. of that? Because he's had the practice from his upbringing. Right, because I can already tell his personality of how he is when he's angry mm-hmm. and he's quiet and he becomes real internalized and mm-hmm. all of that and or, you know, we are having a miscommunication mm-hmm. and you know, you know, and up until, you know, at this point, he's been little and there's not much communication other than crying and giggling and stuff like that until they actually get old enough to start articulating themselves and it's like you have to keep up with how fast they're growing and so 
It definitely, um, because I want to be able to be transparent with him mm -hmm. and um, him understand that mama makes mistakes and mama doesn't always do it right uh -huh. and give him the freedom to know that you're going to make mistakes and you're going to get angry and mm -hmm. it's okay, but let's just find a better outlet mm -hmm. um, instead of like getting angry and throwing your toy on the ground. Right. Because then your toy winds up in the trash. Right. Now. And then you turn into a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old or 40-year-old who punches walls and throws things. If you don't get that in check now. If you don't mm -hmm. communicate and show, you know. Right. We how, we, how, we, how, how we could have handled this better. Exactly. And, you know, and like you said, just realizing I don't handle everything right. And the Holy Spirit definitely will... Um, when I'm being ridiculous about something, I don't need to be. Or, mm -hmm. like, if I'm PMSing and my temp, you know, like, you know how you'll get yeah. aggravated with your own self? Like, right. you, like <laughs> girl, like, you're talking to yourself. Like, that was unnecessary. Um, and um, and I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I had, like, clean clothes sitting on the floor. Mm -mm. And they were folded, and they'd been on the floor by the couch for, like, three days. And then I went to yell at Gunner for stepping on said clean clothes. And then it was, like, immediately the Holy Spirit was, like, you're the adult who's left them on the floor. Mm. And it was like, you're right, you're right. You're like, right. <laughs> but you know what? Allowing yourself to be checked and not getting mad when you get checked by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, and, and listening. Yeah. In that instance, I picked up the clean clothes and put, went and put them up. But, <laughs> um, you know, but that is, is like, even in parenting, the Holy Spirit will help you. And uh, I definitely... Um, have not been tuned into that guidance up until, you know, my own barriers, I suppose, of sin and condemnation um, have slowly been crumbling, you know, in the little walls I'd built around myself over the last few years and hearing his voice and um, even as simple as picking up clean clothes off the floor. Right. And, uh, but it definitely, it's taken me a minute to get here, you know, and we don't, you know, sometimes we don't want those checks because we don't want to change our behavior. Mm. And uh, it's another thing I'll piggyback on, because you were saying that, um, he kind of, uh, Gunnar kind of internalized feelings. And mm -hmm. so I was a huge internalizer because like one thing, I'm not going to tell you how I really feel. I remember that about you when we were little. Yeah. Like. And so, and that in itself was bondage, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know, having all of these feelings and there's nothing that you can do with them. And I think a lot of people just internalize, oh, that hurt me. So I can't say anything about it. I don't want to cause a problem. I don't, I don't want this to now, be a big deal. do you feel like, do you, like, of course me trying to find the root of that. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, do you feel like it was seeing... The reaction of family members by other people who may have had a lot of emotion or like, oh, they're always, I mean, like, what do you, I don't know. I think it just falls into um, not wanting people to like you and people like you when you're funny and you're nice. And I don't see people like people when they're, when they're mean or when they act out or when they, you know, 
when they say something that someone doesn't like. So I think it just kind of fell into that whole area of like, you just will just don't say anything and just do what they say. So you were definitely um, a perfectionist in a way that I didn't probably recognize when I was young, but that it certainly didn't feel that way. Like I can't imagine the, uh, the turmoil that that would, or like the constant mm-hmm. struggle of keeping your mouth shut and, do you think it was because you were black or like, do you think any of that, like you wanted to be like not a stereotype or not difficult or like, do you feel like any of it? Because I know so often, you know, people don't want to, you know, fall into stereotypes of mm-hmm. color or assumptions mm-hmm. about a certain person. You know, do you feel like any of that played a part and you just feel like it was just you? Mm-mm. I don't want to get in trouble. I want to get, you know what I mean? Yeah, which I mean, there's a lot of things I didn't do because I was scared to get in trouble. I I didn't have that, that like, capacity to be brave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wanted to definitely color within the lines. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably one of the reasons why we got along so well is because we were both good kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't feel the need to be perfect like you did, but I was still good overall. Yeah. Certainly comparatively speaking. Yeah. Grades. I mean, I think for me, I saw like good grades, got you stuff, you know. I didn't get no stuff for having good grades. (laughs) Book it and and pizza, you know, like, you know, and and you get. You immediately saw the the reward of said behavior. Mm -hmm. And people look at you differently when you make good grades. You know, it's your look at you. You were a whole thing, girl. Like it run, it ran deep, and it was you like, had the whole mask on too. Yeah, and and it just um. So coming into Christ, it was like you know what? How long do you think be... it took for those ideals to start breaking down? Um. First it's... of all, for you even to notice that it was a. It was a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, that it was a behavior that wasn't normal. Or not normal, but you know what I mean. Like, that was an unhealthy, uh, unhealthy um, self-ideal or self-taught thing. Like, how long do you think it took you for you to start going, oh, wow, that's probably not right? Um, Probably, like, the last three, three and a half years of really, you know, seeing some of the roots of things and and remembering certain things that may have happened um you know in childhood and just being like huh I can see how that can you know because you we're visual people we only pretty much will react to things that we've seen you know Mm -hmm. and so especially as a kid you have nothing else you have this is this is your like foundation if you will so um you know, always, and it was just an anxiety about it where it was just like, you know, um, even I remember taking tests and I remember this and even as high as in college of being so, like, I want to do well. I want to do well. I, you know, I want to, yeah, I remember you, know, you were very nervous, stressed very out test nervous. taker. Yeah. And, um, cause I remember never like wanted to fail cats and all of that. Like you Girl. would all be like, way mega stressed out and i'd be like oh i'll study like 30 minutes before the test is or something and i just do well and it was always a struggle for me and i never want 
that's another one. Girl, it's, they're all just coming out. I didn't ha- even have this one written down. Failing. Mm. I never wanted to fail. So I can see how not wanting to fail pushed performance of good grades. Right. Because on my report card, I don't have any Fs. You know what I mean? Now, standardized tests just wasn't my thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. That just wasn't what I excelled in. And then, but, I you know, being grade. okay yeah. with not excelling in something, Girl, I think, I just... and that took, that took time. Being okay with the gifts that I have and being like, it's, it's fine. Like, that's just not my thing. And being cool with that. Right. Like, it's I can huge. decorate. Girl, yes. And I'm sweetheart. pitiful. <laughs> I'm pitiful. And girl, I know. I tried. I tried to put some little pumpkins, and she was sweet about it, y'all. She was real sweet about it. But, um, yeah, it was pitiful. And it was a pumpkin on a on a seat. On a it, little. It just, it, it I just, was just trying to help. Yeah. I, right. I was just trying to help. And then I, you know, and then I just was like, you know what? It was her. And it was you and Dana. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit back and just make jokes. Because I'm good at that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but um, how many people, go, you know, going back to the con, how many people condemn themselves for not being that person? Yes, absolutely. And they're like, well, I wish that I was this decorator. Or I wish I could cook. Or I wish I could do all of or these Or like different- my brother and my dad who are unbelievable artistic. Mm-hmm. And can draw and paint, and mm-hmm. their capacity of their imagination is just unbelievable. Right. And it's like, why didn't I get that? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I had to learn that I am just as creative and just as an imaginative, but I have a different outlet where I write. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that just flows naturally, whether it's professionally being able to write or being eloquent in speech when I'm writing a text message. It just is what it is. But you eloquent girl, you eloquent. But, and there will be people that go, gosh, I just wish I could write like that. Or I could talk like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm over here. Like, I wish that I could sing, you know, like Kelly does or Mm -hmm. draw like my brother. And, you know, it's like you we're constantly wanting to be somebody else. Right. You know, if I could, like, I even, she's looking at salsa dancers, like, geez, I might, I know it's so ridiculous, but it's like, I'd probably lose some weight. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like, but I don't even want to try, you know, and I think that this, so you wanted to Mm overperform for filler failure and I feel like I'm the opposite where I won't try to do things because my fear of failure. Mm, I'm the com- I'm complete opposite. <laughs> um, if I think I'm not going to be able to do something well, um, I just won't even try. Mm. So, you know, I look at it and I, you know, put a lot of limitations on myself of oh well a big girl wouldn't do xyz or this I just I completely I absolutely do that Mm -hmm. and I don't know if that that so that is my own Mm self-talk you know that I haven't uh I guess dealt with that I put limitations on well 
this type of person wouldn't do this or, mm -hmm. you know, and I remember when, um, well, before we got married, he wanted us to live together. And I was like, Oh, I cannot. It was just like, and, but it wasn't me not wanting to live with him. It was just like, what is everybody going to say? Mm, mm -hmm. You know? And I mean, had we lived together, we might not have ended up in divorce. Who knows? But um, but you know what I'm saying? So it's like I didn't have the, like I said, I didn't have the 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 drive for perfection. My triggers and my motivators were are different. But, um, you know, and I had an ex-boyfriend that had an, an extreme, like, perfections, like, perfectionist complex of if he made a mistake. He... It was like he almost was like he made himself incapable of making mistakes. Mm -hmm. So then dating him, knowing that I'm going to make a mistake every single day, mm -hmm. uh, it made it difficult to date someone that was a perfectionist because I felt that. And although he tried to make a conscious like, no, this is how I feel about me, I still felt that need of measuring up to his own his ideal of perfectionism mm. and then like and then also he didn't like conflict so if I like told him something that he did that I didn't like where I would just say this and just go about my business it would be something that he'd be like tortured about for weeks and weeks and weeks mm -hmm. and when we ended up breaking up it was two years of you know well, I know that, you know, on May 4th, you said that you didn't like this that I did. Mm -hmm. And A, he remembered. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, B, you know, in, in dating a perfectionist and not realizing that if me, I'm just trying to, like, communicate like a normal person mm -hmm. and explain that, like, I'm not going to like everything that you do. I had no idea that it really, like. It was piling and piling. Yes, he was internalizing it in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Well, you were just like, I was just saying that. And then it was just like, oh. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's deep. Yeah. And, and it was like, so that was that was dating a person like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but it's one of those things where I've been, um, I've been able to, like I said, be okay with that. And even like in the relationship I'm in now, like being like, this is where that 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 stems from mm -hmm. and I'm it's a process of me working through it right so if you see this and being able to communicate that with someone and not being like oh maybe I should know like telling everything mm -hmm. you know and I think if more people were honest about those things the world would be a better place you know we would have more relationships that were functional that were functional first um, of all people were more self-aware Right. And and then we're willing to accept someone else's struggle, even though it's not your own. Exactly. Exactly. Because a lot of times people are quick to condemn others for their struggles because they don't understand that struggle. Correct. Meanwhile, like, for instance, like porn, mm -hmm. you know, I can understand that struggle. I struggled with that for years. And it's not something that a lot of 
people talk about. A lot of Christian women, I mean, clearly statistics show that. Well, first of all, it's socially it's, acceptable. Right. It is socially acceptable in culture. And, but a lot of people aren't talking about it in churches. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, you know, and I've seen a lot of great messages on it. And yeah. it's it's great that it's getting out there. And it's not like in a, a, a condemning way. Right. You know what I mean? Because people, I feel like people put hierarchy on sin. Absolutely. And and um, it's not supposed to be that way. And just be like I said, because that's not your struggle, don't judge somebody based on the fact that they sin differently. Right. You. Like, you might not be an adulteress, but you could be a murderer. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but we ain't going to talk about your murdering. You right. Know what I mean? But we're going right. to talk about you know, and not to say that either one is, is good, but come on now. You or, know. you know, you might be a pathological liar. Exactly. And somebody else might steal. Right. And you don't struggle with either one of those. And you're just like, what the heck is wrong with you? Like, right. go to Target and not steal fingernail polish. <laughs> or to polish. Right. And I, and I think that it's very important that when people realizing that every person that comes to you with a struggle may not be in your line of things that you need to discuss with them. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, if someone struggle with porn and you've never had a struggle with porn, then maybe you should send them to someone who has, because one thing people need to feel is understood. Like if you've been molested, I know nothing about that, right. but you need to find community of people that have experienced that that way, it, it's something about when you can bear your soul to someone who understands. Right. Um, but, yeah, so, like, porn was, you know, I remember just the guilt and the shame of, I would go, like, months um, without it. And then it would be, like, it would rear its its ugly head and I'd be right back, mm-hmm. you know. And so, it's like, I've never been on drugs, but I can only imagine what it's like. For someone to um, be clean, to be clean mm-hmm. for ex- and that's and and then in one moment, like your brain's just going, and it's like, oh, and then you kind of like bargain with yourself, like, oh, well, you know, it has been a minute. It's not like I do it every day, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then we start making, but this, don't we all do that with we, all of our all of right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so then it's like, oh, then when it's done, you're just like, oh my gosh, like why, you know, and it's like, and you, and you know, the right thing to do, you, you know, you know who you can call on. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, you don't do it. And then you feel bad and you feel shameful. And then it's this, this thing of you allowing the enemy to beat you up about Mm -hmm. it. And then just being in this defeatist attitude with your back you know, hunched over and you just like in a corner and just like, I feel like that that is where I have spent a lot of time. It's mm-hmm. just defeated, defeated. Yeah. And like, you know, not even, and not, you know, so often people think that, you know, when we are, have a thorn in our flesh, if you mm-hmm. want to call it that, mm-hmm. or like Paul says, I want to do the right thing. I know what the right thing to do is, but here I find myself doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not even that um, you're like, oh, I don't care. God's going to forgive me, so I'm going to do it anyway. It's not even any of that. Mm-hmm. It's just 
thinking that it's just all too much to live up to. Right. And sometimes it is that very thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get to that point of being like, well, you know, I mean, it'll be all right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in, in some small portion or of I've already brain, messed it up so bad. So bad. Anyway, might as well. Might as well go in I think, for yeah, the big I think, one. Right. <laughs> you know, and everybody's big one is completely different. Different, exactly. And, but we certainly, because we, this is the thing, like you said earlier, we try to put God in human terms. Mm-hmm. So we look at it like if we were someone that kept forgiving and kept forgiving and kept forgiving and over and over and over. Right. We'd get real tired of it. Exactly. So for us to think about that God, obviously he wants change and that's what we will always, you know, strive for is, is actual change. But he, it's more, he wants relationship with us, Mm -hmm. even through our struggle and even through our sin. You know, I think that so often what happens is if we just had a moment and like, oh, I, I failed. I, I, instead of picking ourselves back up right in that moment, forgiving, getting rid of that separation Mm -hmm. and then moving forward, Mm -hmm. we just get, and that's exactly what condemnation is. Mm -hmm. He wants us as soon as we have that little moment of stumble. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want us to stumble and then just just get a little bit and keep on going and get mm-hmm. back up and walking. He wants us to stumble and then stumble to our knees and mm-hmm. then stumble to a crawl and mm-hmm. then to the point where we just stay there. Mm-hmm. And uh, because Satan kills us with condemnation because he knows God's Satan knows God's grace more mm-hmm. than we do mm-hmm. and his, you know, his forgiveness and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's real true. Um, and he knows the people that it will work on. The people pleasers mm-hmm. a lot of times are the ones that are have that struggle. And um, <laughs> so we're going to be real with y'all. Like we got like two kids and we've said this before, and they're playing in a room. So if you hear them, they're that's just mom of, life. <laughs> mom, exactly. So, well, yeah. They're having fun with each other. Right. <laughs> so, you, yes, I definitely, you know, he knows, Satan knows which people to go after. I think that some people's purposes um, have carry more weight, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that some people are attacked more than others, certainly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then... And then if you are the the bearer of your family that starts breaking off generational curses and goes, no, I'm stopping this in its tracks. This will no longer be carried through my bloodline and all of that. Then I believe your attack will be mm-hmm. because he's he's losing generations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and, and he thought he was going to have it with you. Right. So it's just kind of like, wait, and, hold up now. Right. And then if he can't get you, then he'll bring somebody that um, struggles in the same area or the same bloodline curse, Mm -hmm. you know, so he can introduce it back into your bloodline. And it's just, there's so, you know, the, and we are told to be aware of the wiles of Satan Mm -hmm. and, and know that ultimately that sin leads to death, Mm -hmm. whether it's spiritual death, physical death, 
lot of times it's the death of our purpose. Mm, and that's good. it's not even, oh, well, if I do this, no, I probably won't die. But where does this lead? What does this one decision? Mm-hmm. And how many times have people made one decision and their lives changed forever? Right. And, um, and so it is, and if, as long as Satan can keep us down, mm-hmm. and, you know, then that's just one more inch that he can gain. Yeah. And I constantly think of like what I would tell someone who just struggles like with their past, you know, because I think a lot of times con- the condemnation comes from the stuff that we have done previously before, before, before we, we knew, even, be- before yeah. we knew better. Yeah. Right. Um, and those things we carry with us. So it's like he, he gives us a new heart, but we're still wondering about that raggedy heart mm-hmm. that's back here. But, you know, we're still looking at it and not going towards the things in front of us right. we're steady looking back and um i think so many times like we don't realize that that old heart shouldn't be used as condemnation it should be used as semi lesson mm-hmm. and that there are some things from that old heart that of course give you a testimony right our mess becomes a message uh, is our mess becomes a message exactly and and that some of those things were necessary to push you in that purpose. Right. Um, some of them was our own choices. Right. right, right, right. But, but, you know, that is God's intricate design. That's his intricate design. And he said that he will, you know, turn everything out for our good. Right. And, um, but, you know, it's, I think my biggest takeaway from this that I had to learn was the only thing that I'm in control of because so many times we're control freaks with our life Mm -hmm. and um we we hate that we can't control something that we weren't meant to control Mm -hmm. and if honestly if we were so perfect we wouldn't need a savior Right. We'll try to find a savior in people. We'll try to find a savior in all different types of things. But the person that says that I'm the actual savior, um, we don't want to run to him with our problems. But we'll run each and every other place for other people. Well, a lot of times, clearly, like you, you know, they don't want to run to God because they know that they're going to have to change some of their behavior. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And the behavior, and and we, and you know the work that it takes to change the behavior. Mm-hmm. And you don't really want to deal with and, that. Right. Christian or not, people don't want to face themselves and they don't want to Mm-mm. look in the mirror. Mm-mm. No. And see, so like I said, what, am I, what I'm in control of is my surrender. Mm-hmm. And I'm also in control of my compassion for others that struggle with something maybe I struggled with or struggle with. Right. Or even if it's something that I don't even struggle with. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and being woman enough to be like, you know what, yeah, that's not... Um, didn't really have issues with that, but I do know somebody who did, Right. you know, and let me give you their number. Um, but then also too realizing that we're never too far for him, too far from him. I think that sometimes we can do so much that we're just like, oh, he's totally not going to listen. He's not going to hear my prayers, you know? And, I and think, even that in itself is condemnation. Exactly. <laughs> and it's taught a lot in legalistic Absolutely. Churches. Mm-hmm. So how much of these, this self-talk is actually, is a lot of it is religion. It's the spirit of religion. It's the spirit of religion. Yeah. And that's what drives a lot of people away from the church. 
Yeah. Um, I think that Christians can be some of the most judgmental, unloving, mm-hmm. hatefulest people. And it's like, this is exactly what Jesus, he ignored all the religious people, mm-hmm. the Pharisees, mm-hmm. that were beautiful and clean on the exterior, but their hearts were nasty. Exactly. And, you know, everybody respected and revered them because of what they could see. And all of their, you know, their religious garb that they had on and all of that. But Jesus saw their heart, which is why he didn't want anything to do with them. And mm-hmm. that's not who he came for. Right. And um, and then yet the church has become that in so many facets mm-hmm. um, that people just rather bypass the church completely, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that that is what this, that, you know, like my generation that came from a very legalistic and condemnation type mind frame of uh religion and christianity to just loving people where they are Mm -hmm. and you might meet the stripper Mm -hmm. the of the muslim the drug addict you know Mm -hmm. and you and god he may not want you to say a single thing about him he may just want you to meet their need Mm -hmm. and help them and just that they know something's different about you exactly you know and that might be and oftentimes we're just you meant to plant the seed Mm -hmm. you know that god knows who he's designing and bringing in this person's life right that will grow and prune and tend that little seed that you could have planted five six years ago Mm -hmm. you know and um i just really think that um the um, the ideas, you know, and um, me and one of my friends talk about this a lot, that, like, I think that the, the church itself is really evolving, you know, that it may not in the future look like what we're used to it looking in the past. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we might be in a situation where we can't outwardly say what we are. You know, we mm-hmm. don't know where it's leading. Where it's right. We sure don't. We don't know where it's going. And... And all you have is your difference. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, you know, because, of course, we're called to be different. Mm-hmm. What makes us different? Right. Is it because we do everything right? Mm. What we think is right? Right. Or do we live in such a way that we <clears throat> understand that... We have hope in something, you know, we Mm -hmm. have, and then it does make things when we think about hope and perspective of eternity, then it does definitely change your ideals of how you live today. Mm -hmm. And I actually just saw something on TikTok last night and it was, it made me cry in 60 seconds of watching (laughs) it on TikTok, (laughs) but it was just like thinking about eternity living Mm -hmm. as though I am planning for eternity and not being weighed down and I know it's easier to sit here Mm -hmm. and say oh I want to be eternity minded but really going like none of us know when we're going to die we are all going to die there is a point of time for death you know and we should all live as though You know, but, and I know that that has now become so cliche because 
a lot of us don't begin to live a certain way unless we get that bad diagnosis at the doctor's office mm. or, you know, instead of, you know, and God is happy just for that, you know, but, and to just say, like, we really don't know from one moment or the next. So to, to allow condemnation to keep that separation when we really never know, you know, we're always just like, I can do it tomorrow or right. I can do it later or I'll do it at Christmas when I go to church once a year right. or um, I'll wait until I'm old and I no longer want to have fun or I've settled down or I'm married now. So I'm not like out running the street because now I'm in union with somebody and right. And that's when I'll get right. Mm. And it just really made me like think like, gosh, like, how often every single day am I literally living kingdom minded? Like mm. eternity. Mm. That's deep. The TikTok was deep. It was <laughs> even better than like what I'm even saying. But it was just like, it made me think, which was clearly the entire mm-hmm. purpose of the guy's TikTok. But it was just like, you know, it definitely, you know, Satan keep, wants to keep us in condemnation because he wants that, that, that separation. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah, anything he can do, because, you know, for a lot of people, we don't, you know, um, we're not uh, like threatened or we're not tempted with murdering someone. Mm-hmm. We're not tempted with some of the the bigger things, you know, and I mm-hmm. put air quotes on that, mm-hmm. you know, that we see as bad. But it could just be we know that us gossiping about the girl that we work with that. Right is you know something that we struggle with Mm -hmm. or um or hating a parent you know or you know just being jealous of of a friend right you know we we don't look at those those smaller it's not small that's all the the same size but those are just as big as murder yeah you know and you know and something born um, and betrayal and mm-hmm. envy, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's a reason why they're talked about and, mm-hmm. you know, in the Bible as the deadly sense, because mm-hmm. even those little things, it leads to, to death. death. Yeah, exactly. Um, interestingly enough, it's like, I, I think a lot of times, a lot of times, we stay in condemnation because we don't want to give those big things to God. Mm-hmm. We treat him like people where we may give him little things. Like um, there was this message that I heard um, some years ago and the pastor was like, you know, oh, you know, you'll give him like, you know, God, breathe on my finances, you know, breathe on my marriage or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but don't breathe on I can't give you my molestation that happened when I was five right you know I can't I'm not gonna give you that so I'm gonna give you this is this broken this this broken or this baby thing. that I had at 13, 13 that I gave away for adoption, adoption. that no, no one knows one about. knows about oh girl that's good I mean you know it's like the secret things right. That, right you know that we are it's our secret sin it's mm-hmm. our you know and but it wreaks havoc on our on our hearts it, in our mind. it destroys everything. everything. And things that happen to you or five are still affecting you when you're 72. Exactly. Exactly. And those people are crying in the middle of the night. Because mm-hmm. um, they don't, A, they don't want to have to, I think a lot of times people don't want to rehash it in themselves. Because mm-hmm. we compartmentalize. Absolutely. 
and um, you know so often the the one area that we struggle so hard to give away is the one thing that on the other side mm -hmm. of just giving it to him or how often we give him things we take it back mm. oh <laughs> girl that's good that's you know, good but then we're good for that you uh -huh. know like me and my dating life you know i'll give it to him i'm good for a minute then i'll be like you know let me just let me just take it right back just for real quick then i'll get frustrated mm -hmm. and i'll give it back mm -hmm. and then i'll take it back you know and mm -hmm. it's like that that game that we play mm -hmm. um and trying to say that we can handle it. But yes, I completely agree that, um, or we think that our, that our secret things, A, God don't know about. <laughs> right. Like somehow, <laughs> we just know all. We just slid that one past him. <laughs> um, or that if, or like, I know how people would view me if they knew. Mm hmm So, um, and that takes me back to that that I wrote about the woman at the well, that mm. God knew her secret sin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they only knew who you actually were. And it's that we do that same thing with God. Like, if he only knew, um, or we feel like, you know, that we have to confess it in front of the church for God to forgive us. Mm. And, um, or that... We don't want to forgive that person, so we don't want to talk to God about whatever mm -hmm. happened because I don't want to have to change my feeling about it. Mm-hmm. Because my feelings are valid. Right. Mm, that's good. That's good. There was this movie that I looked at called Like Arrows, and it is an amazing movie. Um, it's on Netflix. And one of the parents that... Um, they it, It's one of those movies that goes from... Um, now and then goes into the future kind of like this is us mm -hmm. and this was one of the fathers like his they, you know their kids like were raised in church and highly respectful but then as they got older um, you know things changed and the dad was like you know we thought we had it right he was like I taught my kids how to hide their sin not confess it mm. and that was so deep imagine that has to be households because when you teach a kid mm -hmm. to not say sorry or when children grow up in an environment where they can't make mistakes mm -hmm. and they feel like there's a level of perfection, you think they're going to tell you right? or they tell you one thing and they see how you react and then they're never going to tell, tell you another you. thing again. Exactly. And then... As a parent, you're thinking, well, why didn't you just tell me? And it's just like, well. Well, why do you think, Rhonda? You know, like, come on, Karen. You know? Right. And um, so that is, wow, that's deep. I told mm -hmm. him how to hide it mm -hmm. instead of confess it. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that is, um, and that causes separation. And then it's just, it's a vicious cycle. A vicious cycle. And then before, you know, and this is why I feel like, there are so many pastors and so many people in the church that are on the brink of suicide or mm -hmm. try if they're first, they're on their third suicide attempt. Right. Because it is, it, they're taught religion and not relationship. Right. And, and that you, you will get to never a, be good enough. Right. And then you get to a level of prominence and platform that you can't admit your struggle mm -hmm. because then you might lose it. Mm-hmm. And, um, a, your, 
your platform got you to wherever you need to be, or mm-hmm. your sin was your platform that got you where you are, mm. or your sin is going to destroy the platform that you have. Mm. Now that's deep. <laughs> that is deep. Because you know it's like, oh, I was a, I was a stripper, and now I'm for for Jesus, and this is all that I am, you know. And so it's like it's it's two things, and then we see how the church acts about everybody else. So why are you going to be the one that says anything? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I definitely think that it is something that just should be. Um, you know, I think it's so important to have a circle around you that you can trust mm-hmm. and that love you regardless mm-hmm. and um, that you feel the freedom to say, I am going to tell you how I feel about X, Y, Z or what I did. And I know that you may not like it and you may not agree with it. But a lot of, and we're even like this as friends Mm -hmm. where, um, you know, and it's so crazy. Like, I just thought about this. When we do something wrong, we know how we'll put separation between relationships, Mm -hmm. marriages. We know we do something wrong, we'll start pushing people away. Friendships, we do something wrong, we start pushing people away. And then it's like, so not only is it on a spiritual level, but it's even on like a how we are just on like, like people to people, like human Mm -hmm. to human. It's that same model, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, so it makes you go, okay, if I shouldn't have this separation with God, I probably shouldn't have this separation when I do something wrong with my husband Mm -hmm. or my sister or my best friend. And if this person really loves me and if we're wanting God to extend grace, we do have to let it flow out of us. And, Mm Like I've told you before, like, you know, um, knowing that you may not agree, like you may not agree with every decision that I make, but I know that, you know, in theory, at the end of the day, you love me anyway. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. and um, you and allowing are, you to be human right. and allowing you that process because everybody needs their process in loving people where they are. Right. And, and not being a way of being like belittling that you know because everybody got to start somewhere or some of us can have did it for right for a really long time get to a situation Mm -hmm. live Mm -hmm. and then we mess up for six or seven years years. exactly and then like you know we become somebody that the other person doesn't recognize but Mm -hmm. you know what we don't recognize ourselves and we may have just went through something in our life exactly that completely changed who we are from the inside out Mm -hmm. and um true story Yes, and um, so that was completely an illustration on our lives. Right. And so, but, you know, and I I think that, especially in our relationship, that we can now differentiate between the person and the decisions they're making. Exactly. And, like, I know when you don't like something that I'm doing, because you'll either A, be quiet, mm-hmm. or B, you'll be like, no. Right. <laughs> But I've learned to ask permission, though. Mm-hmm. Do you want right. advice? Because sometimes the way that... And that's just knowing the person that you're yes. in relationship with. When they ask a certain thing in a certain way, it's like, okay, you want me to... What's right, because sometimes I just want you to listen, listen to me. Exactly. And let me tell you and walk through this. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, tell me your opinion. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes as friends and as 
family. Right. We give a whole lot of unsolicited Listen. advice right. that can create such wedges. Exactly. Or if you give us advice and we don't do it, then it creates that separation. And I think that's the same thing that happens with God is a lot of times we know what we're doing, what isn't what we're supposed to be doing. So. Right. It, and we just, you know, we're going to ride out. And then, or a lot of times I'm going to do what I'm going to do and I'll just. Pay for the repercussions Right. Later. And sometimes we. And like I've had conversation with my friends is sometimes we base our, what we believe our future consequences are is based on our past, you know, like what we've dealt with before. But sometimes what God's trying to protect us from in the future is a whole new type of bad or right. a, whole, a whole level of consequence that you're not even ready for. Right. And, um, so I definitely think that, you know, and that's the whole thing is like, God is not trying to like steal fun from us, you know, or fun from us or try to have us live boring lives. Like God is, can be the most exciting and have us go in here, there and everywhere and mm -hmm. require us to be brave and outside of our comfort zone. Right. And so much better, um, than what we could even imagine if we just allow him mm -hmm. that, you know, and to really trust him in different areas, you know, and like you said, like we will give God certain areas of our life to heal us from, just like we will give God certain areas of our lives to be the Lord of, mm. like, I'll let you be the Lord of my finances. I'll let you, you know, be the Lord of my parenting. But this over here, I'm going to keep this because I can probably do it better than you. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, I just think that, or, uh, you know, we don't want to wait on this time. And that's mm -hmm. a big one for me. Mm -hmm. um, I done been around the mountain with God when he ain't did something as quick as I wanted it to be done. So I know how I'll act, you know, like, <laughs> and he does too. So I don't even know why he makes me wait. Like, what are you trying to teach me? You know? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> but, um, so I definitely think that this was, uh, informative mm -hmm. and definitely something that I think a lot of people struggle with. And I certainly would hope that if anyone listens to the podcast and has any takeaways or advice or different ways or want to tell us an area where they have struggled with condemnation and, um, we're rescued from that um, to let us know, you know, mm -hmm. shout us out in the comments and talk to us and let us know. And then, or if you have a topic you would like us to discuss, yes, let us know. Let us know. We are all ready for a lot of cool and interesting things. Right. Because if we're going to be doing this all the time, we're going to have to come up with some stuff. But um, thank you. <laughs> I mean, not like we can't just get on here and talk because we can, because we, we talked for four hours before we even started recording. Um, but um, this has been another episode of Brown Couch Confessionals. Thank you for listening and God bless.